You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. Our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. We do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. Hello, thank you for listening to Francis Roy, for tuning in. Is that a thing that we say now? Like tuning, is it still, is tuning in a TV term, Kimberly? I think we can do whatever we want in this era of new media. <laughs> We're going to take a lot of risks today. <laughs> Our take chances, risks and chances are, are two different things. Um, I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke, and um, I purchased the toilet paper here at Francis Roy. <laughs> I'm also the founder of Francis Roy, but I have another founder with me today, Kimberly Kadena. Kimberly is the founder at Creative Hustle. Kimberly, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I was so honored to be able to participate in this podcast. So Kimberly and I were brought together by a force that our audience is already familiar with, Michelle Clark Payne, who yes. is a force. If you don't, if you don't already know her, she definitely is a force, and. Um, often I will go to Michelle and ask for advice and I'll say, man, I just really need someone that can, can do this, you know, thing for us. And she's like every single time, 100% of the time goes, I, I know a person and our agency. Um, well, first of all, let me just say, I don't believe anyone should do their own shit. And when I say shit, I mean marketing, <laughs> like, you know, you always need other eyes on it. And in order to walk the walk and not just say that because we do to our clients, like it's really great to be, to bring in, uh, you know, someone to come in and help you take a look at, at what you're doing. Uh, we need to do that as well. So we wanted to hire an agency for our agency and creative hustle is our, is our agency is our, is that, is that the right term? Do you, I'm your strategic marketing support. Oh, I love that. I, I think you do a lot of your own marketing. I came in to help you with a few targeted areas that, like you said, could really use um, somebody who was passionate about your business but had a little bit of space from your business. It could see not only what you do really well, but the path that you were on and how to maybe accelerate that trajectory just a little bit by bragging about yourself in stronger terms, if you will, like being as confident about what you do for your clients as you are in yourselves. That was so great. Kimberly, that really did some of exactly what we uh, reached out to you for. And you founded Creative Hustle. And today we are talking about a Francis Roy core value. Don't be afraid to take chances. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really, really excited that you and I were going to tackle this together because um, the people listening to Hello Francis um, could be people who are already business owners um, or entrepreneurs or hope to be. And we are, as, as founders, and I say that in a nano perspective for myself, and um, we're learning and we're really growing through this process. And that starts with a big risk. Maybe not a big risk, but definitely taking a chance. Mm -hmm. taking a chance um, on yourself and your idea. So I would love it if you would just take a minute to share with us who you are and why you chose to take a leap and create Creative Hustle. 
Well, I have about 20 years of experience now in a variety of communication and marketing positions. I've been lucky enough to work in the private sector, the nonprofit, as well as the public sector, and have um, been at the forefront of a lot of big changes in our industry. I was um, the press secretary for members of Congress when the internet really became a dynamic and important uh, series of platforms for them to reach their constituency on and helped get members of Congress online for the first time and building newsletters for the first time and got to be part of that and then moved into the private sector and began working for actually I should say moved into the public sector and uh, started working for nonprofits at a time where they were just starting to really take advantage of the tactics that the political world had been using for the last decade to kind of galvanize activists and to disseminate information in the same deliberate and uh, targeted way to niche audiences that the political world had been using in the corporate world and helping to establish that expertise there. And then when I moved to New Orleans a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago now, time goes so fast, um, almost nine years ago now, uh, began working for an advertising agency down here that had not yet established a uh, digital expertise and was lucky enough to work with them to create both their social media specialty as well as their content marketing focus. And I would say that the through line throughout all of my positions has really been about exploring what's new and experimenting with what's possible and then adjusting based on what we've been able to learn in those activities and just to just try never to be intimidated mm -hmm. by what we don't know and to get confidence by our successes as we go along and to use that to fuel our future activities. So that is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when we say it's really, really important to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, I think you're living and breathing proof of that in my sphere. But, um, so obviously you have tons of experience specifically in the marketing realm. You've pioneered some things, which is really exciting. You know, pioneering is very parallel to entrepreneurial, you know, conquests, if you will, or adventures or journeys. And, um, so why is now the right time? for you because we really are on the we're as we're doing this podcast this really is um the beginning absolutely yeah um i just got to the point where i was getting tired of writing pro and con lists mm -hmm. on whether or not it was time to do it or if what i really envisioned was unique enough to um to be worth, you know, putting that time and energy into. And I, and I just really got to the point where the worst case scenario was not as intimidating as the idea of not knowing if I could do it, not taking that leap to figure it out. And also realizing that even if I accomplished my most modest goals and objectives, that would still be worth it to me if it didn't work out. So realizing that I could always go back to a quote unquote regular job working right. for someone else that is always available. I've done that with like really solid amount of success for about 20 years and I can always do that again. Just realizing that I had to do it, that it was really time 
that there is a huge opportunity for employers that want to treat their teams well and to produce great work mm -hmm. that as simple as those two things are they're also all too rare mm -hmm. um, it's one of the reasons that I've found it to be such a satisfying experience to work with you and your team mm -hmm. you treat your team so incredibly well they are so thoughtful about each other. It's clearly a team in the true sense of the word. And the quality of work that you create and provide for your clients is always so exceptional. And there's such an emotional attachment to delivering that type of work. That's just really something that I identify with deeply. And it's very personally motivating to me. And I wanted to have that kind of similar experience um, for the work that I do and the people that I work with. There's, there's just not a lot of equal attention given in the world to how you treat people as well as the level of output that you're providing. And when you can get to the point of being able to do both, you know, at equally exceptional levels, I think you really have accomplished something that's really distinctive certainly complicated and hard, but I think it's a very worthy objective. You know, it's, it's, I think it's so interesting that when you decide that you're going to, first of all, thank you for all of that. And, you know, when you, when you launch out on your own and you take that chance and you start your own thing, it's so important to be deliberate about what your purpose is, not just how much money you want to make and even the services that you want to provide, but the way that you want to produce work or who you want to work with from a client perspective, but then also the people that you, you bring in. And no one, no one ever told me this, but really the most rewarding thing was saying no, being able to say no for the first time. It, you know, and that's so hard in the very beginning because you're setting off to, to start something new where you can make your own rules really. And, and to a certain extent, you're making your own rules and then you do. And then you're, you're like, I still have to eat. <laughs> so, you know, for me, I left a stable job, you know, stable because stable is, I don't know, it's objective. What does stable mean anymore? Really? That, you jobs and all this stuff. I mean, it, truly everything can go away. And so when I really started to dive in, I left a job with a great salary, with a great company that was nuts, right? It was a little bit crazy, but when some, there's just something in you that I have to do this. I have to give myself this chance to try. And then when you get in there and you do it and you're like, I'm only working with these people and I'm only doing that. And you're like, you get that first potential client or that potential job that you don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. But you probably should, because if not, you know, you may be like taking baths out of water bottles and stuff <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of stuff. So the balance of that, but I think you do some of that, that works so that you can get to the point where you're working. And for me, you get lucky too along the way, like us being able to work with each other has been so rewarding. I've learned so much from you and you know, it's not always like this though. So when you take a chance, you just write your own thing. How do you know when to say no is, you know, I don't know. Did you, have you said no yet? I have. I've said no once okay. and I, I did uh, vacillate quite a bit for exactly the reasons that you said. Mm -hmm. I was at the point where um, probably should have for financial reasons said yes, but right. I've, I've just gotten to the point in life where there are certain behaviors that are red flags for indicating, you know, you don't value the people on your team or you don't value long-term relationships. 
and there were some uh, signs early in the, uh, we'll say contract negotiation process mm -hmm. where they wanted to include stipulations that were very unreasonable with a lot of legal teeth behind them. And in conversation, they're like, oh, it's only there to protect the business and yada, yada. Their business. Um, Right. But there was nothing in it to, and this was standard language that they used with all of their vendors, nothing in it to protect the vendor or to ensure that the vendor, the promises made to the vendor were, um, were honored. And I just had to realize that based on all my experiences, that people who operate like that generally are not going to be good partners going forward as you're working with them. So um, I had to, I had to decline. I didn't tell them that that's why, because I'm not at the point at which I, I wanted to be that clear. Um, I left it as a um, not now, maybe later, but it just, it didn't feel right. And I have gotten to the point where I trust my gut. Trust your gut. That's big, right? Like into intuition is a big thing. And so the initial taking chance is taking a chance on yourself and saying like, I have this idea. I cannot sleep, eat, breathe until I make some sort of step, whether that's buy a domain or write down ideas for names or give it some kind of life, something, something has to come to life. But then what's really not talked about is, and I'd love to unpack this with you is that taking chance thing never stops. And I think no, it yes. never, never, <laughs> never stops. It comes with every potential, not just from an agency perspective, but every potential client service product, every potential that comes your way, you're taking a chance on the yes and you're taking the chance on the no. Maybe sometimes you have the opportunity to work on something that you're not 100% sure if your new business can do yet, you think. So sometimes there's that taking the chance there. And then... There's also, when you, when you have established clients, you have established work, and this is something that uh, we've learned through as well, is sometimes you have relationships that you get into that kind of far end, and then it's not serving you, it's not serving your team, it's really probably not serving them either, but you need to have that really uncomfortable conversation and take a chance on maybe even getting rid of income that you're used to having because you know it's just not the right thing anymore. Like right. when, when does this idea, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, when do you stop taking chances? Uh, to your point earlier, I really don't think that you ever do. Um, I very much so adhere to that principle that if you're not growing, you're not going to continue living. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's as a business or as a person, I do think that continuous growth is just key to life in general. Mm -hmm. And I know in the business that we're in marketing, it just constantly evolves. Like you right. constantly have to be looking at what's next, looking at what's evolving in, you know, the current tactics and tools that your clients are relying on. I honestly don't think you can keep doing what we're doing without just constantly taking chances and taking risks. And you do it, you know, based on the, the expertise that you have um, and they're very thoughtful risks for the most part, but you, you just have to have that comfort level with it. Um, I also just think that in general, if you're uncomfortable, it means you're pushing yourself to the next level. Right. Um, which doesn't make the feeling any less bad, but at least it lets you know it's going to pay off. <laughs> right. It, it should be equally exciting and terrifying. Yes. That, I mean, that's how I feel about that as well. Like, 
you know, we're going to try this podcast, anything really we're trying to do. It's kind of a little bit outside of the scope of what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just like, wow, this is really scary. I'm not sure if we can do it. And then now I'm just programmed to be like, oh, but we're doing it. Yes. 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 Yeah. Like I read, I read something when I was going through a period of high anxiety, when I was trying to figure out whether or not I was doing this and somebody said, um, reframe anxiety is excitement. And I was like, well, that's, that's a load of crap, but <laughs> I appreciate your, your optimistic take on it. But I have had some success thinking about anxiety in relation to moving to new levels and trying new things as excitement. That does make sense to me, but uh, you know, you're run of the mill anxiety. I haven't quite been able to adopt that more meditative <laughs> approach to anxiety. That would be like someone telling me like, this is going to give you a heart attack, but you're going to love it. You're going to love it. <laughs> the cardio is going to be intense. <laughs> you're, you're really going to sweat. It's going to be a thing and then you're going to go into the hospital and have to recover and it's like downtime. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's uh that's hilarious um but also too I, for me that's like people who are like meditation so good for you you need to try it you know gosh I always sit in meditation thinking like am I doing this right like I don't know that's all I can think about the whole time it's just yeah I have also not had success with meditation as I think you're supposed to do it <laughs> yeah um, so, okay. So we can go ahead and determine that sometimes taking, I, I don't know why I want to keep saying taking risks, but in my brain, risk, chances, leap, these are all the same thing, right? You're taking a chance on yourself. You're risking, um, yourself. I, I think that having a support group of people around you, you know, is, is so critical and, you know, mentors constantly looking for mentors, not being afraid to collaborate with competitors, I think has been a huge point. I mean, you and I can be seen from a regional perspective, I think sometimes as a competitor, but I mean, sure, we can probably do the same things for, um, depending on who the client is or whatever, but I always feel the most connection with my competitors. I don't know. It, and maybe I agree we, with that. Yeah, we just kind of get each other. I had an awesome lunch last week with someone in our local area who I think everyone thinks that we're competitors. And I walked away from that lunch just feeling, or that meeting, just feeling completely rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people that are afraid to take a chance on reaching out to their competitors? Well, I just do inherently think there's more than enough business for everyone. The yeah. big challenge is figuring out what business you want and then being really um, deliberate in pursuing that business. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's a shortage of business or opportunity out there, especially not for people that are very comfortable in providing, you know, a variety of services to, um, you know, a variety of audiences. But I think that some of my most successful and long-term relationships have come from introductions via competitors mm -hmm. and relationships via competitors. I've collaborated with more than five, maybe even close to 10 agencies on work regularly over the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the agencies that I've worked with, I've, I work with regularly. It's not just a one-off or a every, you know, once in a while thing. Mm -hmm. So I've definitely seen from like a financial perspective, the benefit of it. But then to your point earlier, there's just, you know, being an entrepreneur can be 
can be lonely in the, in the risks that you're taking and mm-hmm. the circumstances that you're facing. And it can be a really um, just good support system to be able to talk to other people that are either going through something similar, have gone through, have gone through something similar, can even just empathize with what you're going through, even if they don't have a direct comparison in their past. And it's, I think just having that network um, is very, very important. No matter what you're going through in your life, personal, professional, whatever, having people that you can talk to about it, that you can reach out to, bounce ideas off of. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just, it's critical for being able to weather storms and just enjoy in the day-to-day what you're doing. And that just seems, I think that can seem like a big chance or a risk, but has an enormous reward if you're able to kind of see past the idea that everyone is your competition. I mean, it's, our relationship has enriched and made me think differently about things. And that thought diversity is so important, you know, reaching out to other people that maybe do the same things as you, but, or offer the same services, but they just, you know, look at the world totally in a different perspective in a different light. And they can introduce, they can, your, your competitors can teach you things about yourself that you, you really weren't aware of. And so we don't have too, too, too much time, but I do want to get to, you know, this, I kind of want to segue a little bit into like setbacks and failures and, and just unpack that a tiny bit. And you know, when we started the podcast, we were like, okay, we're going to do it in less than 30 minutes. How unrealistic are we? I honestly, (laughs) there are so many things that you could talk about for like days. No one wants to listen to people, but you know, and so setbacks and failures, how do you approach them? How do you process when you have what you would consider to be a setback or a quote unquote failure? Everybody hates that word. Um, well, I'm naturally a very, I think, analytical and evaluative person. Um, I, um, probably evaluate too detailed and too long where things could have gone better and where I specifically contributed to something not, um, having the the best output possible. So I do like to evaluate what happened, what was directly my contribution to what was not a positive outcome or not as positive as it could be. The areas that I could have helped influence, maybe they weren't directly my responsibility, but that I had the ability to influence. And then what I would or could change in the future mm-hmm. um, going forward. I very much so like to be unforgiving in the evaluation. Um, And then once I've identified what I need to change going forward, at that point, resolve to do so and then let it go. I don't think it helps projects to go better if you're bringing your, your, your baggage to the next one. But I do absolutely think that you should bring your, this is what we need to do better to the next project and to go into it with, you know, every, every effort dedicated to making sure you're not repeating mistakes. I've always said that with teams that I've, I've run that I don't care if you make mistakes. My only issue is if you are repeating the same mistakes Mm -hmm. and that they were avoidable mistakes. And I try to have that same mentality for myself as well. Mm, yeah. No, I, I think that's so good, Kimberly. Like it's it's so hard to feel good about a setback, but knowing that there's something to learn about yourself and your team and you can really maybe place some points of measurement along your own personal growth with each success and with each setback. 
and everybody's afraid of failure, but it, it's a little bit cliche because you hear it all over the place though, but you need the failure. You absolutely do. And we have failed so many times. I can't even tell you. Like we have um, a new account manager and, and um, you know, learning and training and doing all that from the ground up and had, you know, a first big kind of misstep with the client. And he asked me, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> and I said, Oh my God, are you kidding? <laughs> like, it happened to me like last week, you know, like you just have to like take a deep breath, forgive yourself, you know, cause there is that acknowledgement that like I'm human and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to learn through this process and just take accountability to myself and to, you know, whoever was involved in, and make a promise that I'm going to do better next time. And, yeah. you know, that's really tough. Okay. So this last thing, this is just the last thing. I know I said mm-hmm. the last thing, but I really mean it. <laughs> How do you feel about the, you know, the phrase, um, out of your comfort zone? Like, do you, how often do founders and, and creatives and those of us who are launching something new, are you out of your comfort zone? Are you trying to be there? Is it a risk? I would say that I almost constantly have the next thing that I'm going to do, at least in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there are phases because you can't constantly be out pushing yourself out of your comfort zone or you're never going to be developing things adequately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that that is just part of my personality to continually seek the next thing mm-hmm. and to just always be pushing myself. I just in general always want to feel like I am living to my full potential and living to each phase of my life to its full potential. So like right now we're, you know, deep in the the kid and business building phase, which means we're not taking amazing trips <laughs> and right. we're, not, we're not maybe living in the cleanest home in the world, <laughs> but we are spending excellent and quality time with our kids every single day. And we are building a really strong foundation for our family in this space. Mm-hmm. And we are taking advantage of all of that. And with my business, you know, I am not um, at a raking it in phase, but I am at a phase where I am very close to the core values that I established. Mm -hmm. And I am very confident that I am staying very close to those. And I'm building a foundation that is very recognizable to the people that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to me. And I'm confident that that will help me to get closer to where I want to get from, you know, a financial or goals accomplished perspective. Mm. So um, I do think, again, it's just part of my personality to continue to push for more, whether it's, you know, more risks or just more, I don't know, higher, bigger, better goals. But I I do think um, that there is a personality that entrepreneurship appeals to and, uh, I don't really think that the type of person who's an entrepreneur is only that type of personality in one area of their life. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think the core values thing really helps us encap this a bit that core values should be established before day one. Surely they can be taken a look at and, you know, the, you know, thought through as you're developing, but having that as a compass point is really the reason why we're doing this series right now and unpacking each core value of ours and just 
these are our non-negotiables. This is who we are. And no matter what our mission is or what our vision looks like, our core values is what keeps us grounded. It helps us take risks, yes, but it also gives us that feeling that each risk that we take is has got this, you know, this North Star, if you will, mm -hmm. and we know that it provides us with the framework to be successful. And it gives us the opportunity to try new things, but also to not do the things that are not right for us. This has been so great. I love talking to you all the time. Like, I love it when we sit down and we have our little Zoom FaceTimes, which we've had a lot, uh, <laughs> which is great. And so I thank you so much for providing your insight. And I'd love to bring you back in like six months. I would love to come back. I will talk to you about anything, whenever, wherever. So Maybe I can come and visit and we can do it in person. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? I would love that. That would be super fun. That would be phenomenal. We could do it with, you know, like the beach in the background and, you know, I don't know, whatever people may not want to listen to that. Uh, Aspirational podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> but we can definitely try it. Well, thank you uh, so much, Kimberly, for being with us and, and sharing your knowledge as a creative founder. And obviously we're going to circle back. And so this is um, been such a great time. I hope that everyone will, you know, subscribe, comment, review, tell us what your thoughts are. If you have any questions for Kimberly, she and I are just, we're talking almost every day. So just let us know and we'll get those answered for you. We appreciate you being with us. And if you have any questions also, or you have any ideas for future podcast episodes, you can send us a little, drop us a line at hello at francisroy.com. Until next Monday and our next core value. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.